Good morning. This morning I've been asked to read from John chapter 6, verses 28 through 29. Again, John chapter 6, verses 28 and 29. Then they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? And Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day and this wonderful life that you've given us to come here and worship you and sing your songs. We ask you that you please be with all those that are on the prayer list this morning, and please be with Brother Dennis as he gives us our lesson this morning. And thank you for sending your one and only son to die on the cross for our sins. Forgive us of our sins, and in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning, everyone. We're a little light on people this morning, but I think the Spirit is here, and I'm glad you're here this morning. I want to ask you a question. Are you alive this morning? Anyone alive? Raise your hand. Uh, you know, most of you who know me, one of my favorite sayings is, it's a good day to wake up without a white chalk mark around your body. And we need to live every day in that particular light, ready to go and ready to be what God expected us to be. That is kind of the theme of my sermon this morning, or my lesson to you, or my encouragement to you, better yet. I really do love this technological age we're in, even though I can't pronounce the word properly. I love the, love the technology that's around. Uh, I love the idea of cordless tools. Now, any of you who've been in construction know how much of a problem cords are in the construction site. And I love the idea I can just pick up a tool without ever having to worry about finding power, and I can cut, and I can drill, and I can do whatever I have to do without the use of that cord. And they've got electric tools from power tools up to even cars today that run on electric. Uh, we have become basically the age of the battery. And as much as I love it, there's a problem in that, isn't there? Most of us will take out our cell phones from time to time and we'll look at it and we'll see just what that little image in the top right corner is telling us, how low our battery is getting. And we worry about that because we want to get, get our phone calls and, and it might even be that in the middle of one of our phone calls our battery dies and how, um, how frustrating that can be. Uh, so we live in this age of the battery, the rechargeable, effective item that keeps all of our things going, all right? I've often thought, too, that the Christian has a battery and that our, our soul is like that battery. And so this morning, as we look at, look at uh, finding our source of power, we have to realize that in order to keep our spiritual battery on top of itself at its peak, we need to be connected into the power source that feeds that. Most of our lives are an unending demand day after day after day, whether it's family, whether it's work, financial problems or woes, they just wear us out. And if that's not enough, spiritually we have the problem of sin in our lives and, and how that affects us. And we barely have enough juice to deal with the family or with work or with, with, with balancing the checkbook. And most of the time we don't pay much attention to how weak our spiritual battery has gotten. We don't pay attention to the sins that are in our lives. And so this morning, I want you to think about that for just a short period of time as we talk about rebuilding our low battery state of our spirit. When we feel drained and weakened, 
It indicates that we need power in our spiritual life. But what is the power need? That's the question I asked this morning. And how do we get it? How do we refill our soul? This morning I want to look at some verses as to how we are to keep our spiritual batteries charged. To be people empowered and energetic and ready to every good work. Paul tells us in Philippians, the fourth chapter, verse 13, that he lived in all kinds of circumstances, good and bad. And how is it possible that Paul could write such a statement as this, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? The Greek word here in the middle of this means dynamically inward. Paul is talking about an inward strength that he has found that drives him, that produces in him the ability to withstand all these things that were coming against him. And he declares that, that uh, he hasn't attained perfection. But what he does, he keeps his eyes fixed on Jesus as he talks later on into this text. Christ dwells in us according to Colossians, the first chapter, verse 27. He empowers us and makes us dynamic from within. This comes, again, from within in the spirit area, not from without. So many of us are, are caught up into the world of, of feeling good so, uh, from outside sources, movies, uh, eating, uh, other pleasures that we find. And we find most of our relaxation and source of power from those outward feeling things. Paul is a total different creature in this particular arena. He talks about the fact that he gets his power dynamically from within. I want that type of power in my life. I want to know how to accomplish it, how to live it, and how to be what Paul was, so that I could say that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Are you along with me on that journey this morning? How many, how many feel the need in their life to consider that the power inside of them is weaker than it should be and want to know how to make Christ alive in their heart? You don't have to raise your hands. I think we're all on that journey, amen? Trying to get Christ more alive in us. So let's look at some key thoughts and some ideas this morning that's brought to us in the text. You know, I do want to say that the words that Paul uses here in verse 13 are not theology, folks. They're not psychology. We can read these verses over and over again and, and try to explain to our mind what they are. But in reality, they are the power of God working within a man to be able to accomplish these things. It's not something we talk about and think about to, to get us to feel this way. It is actually what it is. It is the power of God at work. And as I get closer to the end of my life, I look at myself and say, how many things have I done on my own power? And you know, if I had to admit it, if I, if I put your scale as to where God empowered me and where I empowered me, God would be here and I would be here. And I think we all live that way. We think it's all up to us to become who we think we need to be. And all the while, God is working in our lives to say, you got to pay attention here. I'm going to give you an opportunity for my glory to shine through you. I'm going to give you an opportunity to grow through what I can do through you. So what you got to do is just step aside and let me do it. And so many times, so many times in my life, I have said, I want to do this. Let's do this. 
and I just close God out. And I push him to the backside of my life. And this is even in good things that I would do for the church or for its members or for someone out there in the world. I'm becoming more and more in my older age dependent upon God for the strength and for the guidance in what I do because my thinking is just messed up. And you know, the truth is, if you really admit it, so is yours. It's just the way the world gets into us. Paul had a unique position in the book of Philippians as he's talking about this issue of uh, getting strength. And he's writing this epistle from prison. Now, how many of you want to go to prison and write a book to someone else? Anyone? (laughs) Greg says yes. (laughs) I just can't imagine how hard it must have been for Paul to get his head wrapped around where he was at for Christ. And yet, you will find the word rejoice used more time in the book of Philippians than anywhere else in the New Testament. How can you write to a people while you're being punished for something that is you didn't even do? Or maybe he did do, but it was punished for the wrong reasons or the wrong punishment. To tell people to rejoice. I know what it's like, folks. I, I hurt my leg a week or so ago, okay? And my left leg has been complaining to me from day one. I like to tell it just to shut up. I like to tell it just to, just to stop complaining. But you know what happened this week? My right leg caught on to the fact that I was pampering my left leg. And all of a sudden, my right knee started to hurt. Well, that may seem funny, but isn't that the way we are too? One begins to complain, the next one begins to complain. Instead of rejoicing. Complaining to me is the opposite side of rejoicing. If Paul is telling us to rejoice in the Lord, and in his strength, I believe is also the phrase in there, And we go to complaining. Have we not taken that sword, which is supposed to be the sword of the Spirit, to support the rejoicing, and we've just cut the Spirit out of our life? Woe is me. I've come to a conclusion in my life that I don't need, or I don't have, or I I don't have to worry about, because I've had difficulties, and I begin to complain to myself, and the next thing you know, my spouse, she just climbs right in there, and and she's, she's right there with me. And maybe it's another family member or a member of the church, and it's just like those legs. One starts complaining, and the other one feels they need to also. That is not rejoicing in the Lord. That is not finding His strength for our life. That is finding our own strength for our life, which is what? Frail and weak and incompetent. And it will lead you astray every time. It will take you to a place of abandoning the Lord in your life and relying upon your own strength. And I do not believe the Spirit thrives well in that particular arena. I love this verse out of Ephesians chapter 1. Paul prayed that we would know what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who leave. And I have to ask the question, is it possible that I have been a Christian so long, attended so many services and activities, donated 
so much money and have been through so many trials and I'm still ignorant of the greatness of the power that God has offered to me? Is that possible? That I've overwhelmed my life in activity and, and competition with the law to complete those checklists? That I've been totally ignorant of what God really wants out of me? Or is ready to move me to? That I've denied His greatness from completing my life? I think that's very possible. Why? Because I've done it myself. I've been there. I've been in that great position of, of controlling and, and, and encouraging and managing and all, and at the very end of it, I'm exhausted, and I didn't see God in it. I just saw a lot of activity. Now, I may have completed some tasks, but that doesn't mean that God was working his greatness through me. And I want to be like Paul to know that is occurring. According to Ephesians 1, the power Paul prayed for us is to know a number of things. First of all, it is the same power that operated in Christ as he was raised from the dead. Second of all, it's the same power that seated him in heavenly authority. Third thing, it's the same power that made all things subject to him here on this earth. And fourth, it is the power that makes him the head over all things. Now, why would I ever want to ignore the greatness of that power if God is ex extending it to us in the church and to me individually? Why would I want to escape from it? Why would I ignore it? I love the fact that it says it is extended toward us who believe into the church. Ephesians 1.22 is a wonderful thought telling us what this means for us. To the church implies a form of transmission. Whatever Christ the head has attained or obtained is transmitted to the church, his body. And we as a member of that body receive that from him. It's toward us who believe. And to the church indicate this divine power, which includes all that God has passed through from creation to today and even into the future. This has been installed into us once and for all and is being transmitted to us continually. Now you might say, well, how does that work? I'm a little confused. How do I know this is going on in my life? How do I, how do I, how do I tap into this? and become a part of this. We're going to cover that here. But I will tell you right now, knowing that that exists, it should first of all cause us to rejoice. Amen. To rejoice that we have the power of the resurrection of Christ living within us, encouraging us and empowering us. This encourages us not only to live the way we should, but have the proper life in the body as we should. To be able to arrive at His fullness means it's something that we are left without that we have to gain. And we need to recognize that. That the human being born from birth does not have this in them. It's something they must look at obtaining. I think it's basically beyond my comprehension to know this tremendous power in completion. I don't think the mind can conceive of things that God has designed or has planned or purposed in our lives. 
But that doesn't mean I should turn my back on that power. I don't want this sermon this morning to be a discussion or a thought process about what might be. I want it to be a sermon on what is and what you can be. And I want anyone leaving here this morning thinking, well, we had a heady sermon talking about the power of God. Every one of us needs to take on the responsibility of seeing that we all need to change. We all need to become what Christ expected us to be, to be empowered by him and to be brought to life by him. And if we turn our backs on this thought this morning, it is nobody's fault but our own that we live weak lives for Christ and that we're hurting inside and that we're frustrated with life. This is a choice we make, whether we listen or whether we turn aside. You see, a cell phone doesn't run on itself all the time, does it? What do you have to do with your cell phone when the battery gets weak? I heard it. We got to plug it in, don't we? We got to get it into that power source. So I got to thinking, if I set my phone within two inches of that power source, I thought my phone would charge. Guess what? It was just as dead as when I set it down. I had to take the activity of plugging it in to the power source to get it to be recharged. We're just like the cell phone folks. Simply put, if we do not plug into Christ daily, our batteries will go weak and then they will die. The very unique thing about this as it differs from the cell phone is, where is Christ right now? Where is he right now? To you in your specific position, where is Christ Jesus? Where do you see him? Where does scripture tell, you, tell us that he is? There's a temple in us, isn't it? Where does Christ reside? Where? In that temple, right? So I don't have to take an extension cord from me to God if he's already inside me. Therein is the power source that we rely upon. But I know this, that I have two things living in me. One is my will, and the other is God's will. And therefore, I have to decide which of the two of those I plug into every day. How I make my decisions, what I do, what I say, how I impact the church, all these things are telling people and ourselves who we're plugging into each day. To me, a day without God in it is a day without power. We fellowship with him every day, not just on Sunday morning. Every day we fellowship with Christ. We spend time with him in prayer. And we open the word, and, and as we read the word, we also pray that we have understanding in the word. This is the way to tap into him. We tap into him through the fellowship of the church. I can't imagine how I could ever say I have fellowship with the church by sitting in one hour source once a week. I can't do it. If it were up to me, I would say we'd meet more times together during the week. 
But for those of you who have come to the conclusion that this is the only arena that you have to be here, I'm saying you're cutting yourself short of the power that God offers to you. Where are you going to get the encouragement? Where are you going to get the source of energy if you don't connect yourself to what God has offered to you as a tool in your life? I could not have made it this far in my Christian walk if it wasn't for the studies on Wednesday night the sermons on Sunday morning, the fellowships on Sunday evening, the meals, and all the interaction in my life. I would have been destroyed by Satan a long time ago. But here's the truth, folks. Plug into whatever you want. If you're not plugging into God, you're plugging into something else, right? In Luke, the 18th chapter, verse 27, it reminds me of where I am in the position of God. I have tremendous success working with my hands, working with my head, working working with my heart even in certain areas. And I know at this point in my life, where I'm limited. Well, I should have known a week or so ago where I was limited, but it taught me in a different way. These things happen in our lives, all right? We find our limitations, don't we? And I have to accept today that I'm limited compared to where I was 30 years ago. And as I get older, I'll be more and more and more limited. But that's not God. Who could, who could measure the possibility of God of what he's able to do. Who could say that God is not as powerful as he was or that he ever will be? This is the great question to my mind. What could be greater than God in ability and possibilities? And so Jesus tells the people, what is impossible for man is possible with God. Do not limit what God can do in your life. You'll hear a voice in your head saying to do something. That could very well be the voice of God. And you say, well, I'm just not up to that. Well, who's limiting your power, your ability? It's you. It's you alone. You're stopping God. You're not listening. And you're disconnecting from the power source. I don't think there's anyone here who does not have an area in their life that they cannot grow a little bit more. That they could not become a little bit more for Christ and for the church. And so I want to encourage you this morning to think about that. The purpose of plugging into God is not so that I can become a better Christian. Because, folks, I really can't become a better Christian. I'm saved by grace, amen? I'm empowered by grace, amen? You're not amen in me this morning. <laughs> All right? I live my life according to the grace of God, Amen? then why should I ever think that I should accomplish in my life anything that my mind sets itself to do as being something great? I have to come to the point where I see that God working through me is the greatest accomplishment that man will ever achieve. That I might, through his grace and power as he extends it to me, to, to lend my hand to speak words, to love, and to build up. I get in the way too many times, folks. You've seen me do that. And it's discouraging to you and it's discouraging to me. But I want Jesus to be alive within me. 
guiding me and, and correcting me and keeping my footsteps straight. But again, I do have to be plugged in. When I became a Christian some 50 odd years ago, I saw this, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me verse. And it was taught to the youth in, in such a way of building us up to making us strong. I thought it was my duty that once I changed myself, I had to change everyone else around me. Anyone else get caught up in that? <laughs> I tried to change my spouse. I tried to change my kids. I tried to change situations I was in. I even tried to change myself. And you know, there are some times when you get a little victory in those things, you know, where you say, oh, I was right. But it's fleeting. Because while all that was going on, I was still a mess inside. Why? Because I was trying to rely on my own thinking, my own head space. It is not until we look at our lives and see who's in control. That's when we realize how important it must be to have God controlling our thoughts and our actions and our motives. You see, the outward appearance doesn't tell the story, does it? To some, I appeared to be the quintessential of the Christian man who had everything right in his life. But inside, I was a mess. Can we all agree this morning that we all have weaknesses inside? Let me see a show of hands. Do you have weaknesses inside? Yeah. We all struggle that together, don't we? It's our common journey, in a sense. I'm always, I'm always uh, intrigued how people receive the failures of others. Some may use it as a weapon to beat others up. Others may use it as a point to show God's grace in their life but it's all an indication of how much of a mess we are in our lives or whether we've got it right. Think about that. You know, God gave each one of us talents and abilities. And we have to realize they come from God, not of our own doing. We might be proud as a young man or a young gal about what we think we can do, but reality is you didn't create those in the womb, God did. Now, we might have someone who can memorize scriptures easily here. But then he can't remember names. We might have someone here who learns quickly, but then has impatience at others learning not so quickly. And my heart and head get together at this point and say, sound familiar, Dennis? Psalms 127.1, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. So you see, it doesn't really matter what our strengths or weaknesses are if we do not plug into the source of our power, if it is not God. Do you remember the thing that Paul struggled with? Remember that thing called the thorn in the flesh? And I have heard every argument in my life about what that is. Reality is it really doesn't matter what it is. But something bugged Paul constantly. He prayed about it and he prayed about it. The truth was he needed something to humble him. 
to keep his faith in God growing stronger. To develop tenacity for the Lord, in a sense. I think it's a reminder to Paul, and it's a reminder to me when I think about my thorn or thorns in the flesh, that I can't do it alone. Paul couldn't do it. I can't do it. You can't do it. We can't do it alone. We will always need God. He is the source of our power. And we must stay plugged in if we determine to live the abundant Christian life. Remember what God said to Paul? My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your strength. Now, in your weakness. Paul came to a point in his life as he understood this, and you will see Paul boast about his weaknesses. I don't even want you to know about my slip-ups, let alone my weaknesses, folks. But Paul was boasting about his weaknesses. That's interesting. In his letter to the Galatian, he asks a series of hard-hitting questions we should look and think about this morning. But let me stop here and open a side thought for you. From a child, I was taught that the Holy Spirit was given to us at baptism. That by obeying the law, to be immersed, it triggered God's powerful spirit in me. And that's all accurate, but that's not all I need to hear on the matter. Paul writes, Did you receive the Holy Spirit as the result of obeying the law and doing its works? Or was it by hearing and believing? Interesting question, Paul writes. Although we are promised the gift of the Holy Spirit at baptism, it is not the act of baptism that gives it to us. It is the objectivity of us believing in what God had said. This has been the theme throughout the Old Testament and the New. And don't feel bad if you've stumbled on that and not gotten it, because many didn't within the faith. Are you so foolish and so senseless and so silly? Having begun with the Holy Spirit, are you now reaching perfection in the flesh? In other words, the grace that saved us is the same grace that empowers us to live victoriously, but we must believe it. We must believe in the power of God to help us to live. I maybe think that is the heart of this sermon. Jesus knew with his apostles so many times that they had not believed the messages he had taught them. And he would come to a point in their lives where they were afraid, and he says, you unbelievers, when will you ever get it right? And I hear that so many times echoing in my mind. You unbeliever, when will you get it right? When will you change? When you begin to believe in the power that God gives you to live, when you believe that I am willing to work through your hands, through your feet, through your mouth, through your mind, and through all that you do. The real question is, do we believe? In John, the sixth chapter, verse 28 through 29, Jesus is talking with some of those who are following him, and they asked him, What must we do then to do the works of God? 
Now, I don't know what works they were actually talking about. I have a feeling they were talking about the great works that Jesus was doing. And they saw this and they desired to do it. How many of you this morning desire to do the works of Jesus in your life? Show of hands. Do you desire to do the works of Jesus in your life? I hope that even if you haven't raised your hand, in your heart you're saying, I want to. I would hate to turn, turn a life of, of believing I'm a Christian into one that says, I just wanted to be saved, but, you know, God, you can just do your works yourself. It doesn't work that way, and we know that. When they asked him, what are we to do that we may be working the works of God, Jesus gave them the same answer he gives to us today. Believe in the one whom has sent. Trust, rely, and have faith in his messenger. Now, I've preached a lot of sermons to this group of people. And I would like to believe that my messages are so powerful that they change your life. I'd like to believe that. But if I asked for a show of hands, I probably would say, well, we don't remember your last sermon, let alone it changed our lives. You see, it's not what I say that changes your life. It's not what I preach or I teach that changes your life. I know that Paul called it the foolishness the foolishness of men to preach. But it's God who changes our lives, amen? He is the one who works through his word and through his gift to you to make changes. You don't have to be beaten into submission. Or you don't have to bow to the pressure of the preacher or the teacher to do the works of God. If God shows us something that we need to do through the Holy Spirit, that is, he speaks to us and says, We've got a problem over here. Can you help? There's a man without food. Can you help him? The church has a financial need. Can you help? All these things play a part. We don't have to impress anyone. We don't have to compare ourselves to anyone else or compete with any person on the face of this earth because God has a plan for each individual in this church. And we can simply trust him, and he will lead us towards that purpose if we're willing to listen. So then the next time, or the next step, is to obey his lead. For example, if you hurt someone, and he prompts you to go and apologize, ignore it, right? No, we do it. We just step forward and we do it. The results are in his hands because we're being obedient to God. It's not our control. That person may not be willing to forgive, but that's not the point, is it? It is only up to you to obey the leading of the Holy Spirit. Anyone else is between them and God. Do what he tells you and leave the results to him. You might get the feeling or the voice in your head that says, you need to get a little more involved in this work. Please, set, the, set the aside the sort of division and say, well, what can I do for this? How can I help? This is the Spirit calling you to be tapped into God, to get involved, to be a part of what the church does. If you see someone in need, then act on it. You will hear the Spirit's urging, but if you don't act on it, you won't grow. He calls you to know His Word. He calls every one of us to know His Word. But again, ignorance is the sword that separates the spirit 
from who we are. You may have hurts and scars in your life. And they're preventing you from becoming what God wants you to be. Didn't he send the comforter for this issue? And we seem to find that comforting only from our own head or trying to get it from other people. Turn to the Spirit for your comfort. And then you'll find that those walls that separate you from your brother and sister or from whatever that was in your life begin to crumble because you see things in a new light. And you can just jump over those walls rather than to be held back by them. These are the challenges of tapping into God, of learning His Spirit and what He wants for you. Some of you may have heard His voice telling you you need to be more faithful to the services of church. How can you tap into His power if you're not here? Even right now, the Spirit might be moving you in some way to tell you, I need to do something. Please do not ignore it. We must spend time with God. He wants to fellowship with us. But we must be willing to commune with Him in that same light. All these things are for your growth, for my growth, for the growth of the church. God has the greatest power source in the universe. And he has designed it in such a way that no matter where you are, whatever you are doing, no matter what situation you're in, no matter what heartbreak or triumph, you can tap into it. I pray that you will. My last thought to you this morning is please do not wait until you are desperate. Too many get to that path. Actually, aren't we all desperate for God? Really? Yeah. But always remember, God's grace is sufficient. Amen. I appreciate your attendance this morning and your attentiveness to the lesson. Maybe in some way I've, I've helped you to win a battle or get a little bit farther in the battle of your life towards Christ. The church always offers an invitation to those who need baptism. This is where we meet Christ in the water, and we become accompanied with his death, his resurrection, and we decide to walk in newness of life. This is where his blood covers us and cleanses us of our sins and makes connection back to him. Maybe in some way, if you need the prayers of the church, we are so happy to be able to help you. I think Justin said it right this morning, when a sinner repents, God begins to rejoice and all of heaven rejoices with him. And so will the church. So please, if there's any way we can help you this morning, come forward as we stand and sing.